Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Ah. 65-7. to If you didn't make it all the way to the end, you can be (laughs) forgiven for that. If you it haven't checked worse. the score, the final was 65 to 7. Felt worse. And it wasn't really that close. No. <laughs> wasn't really Ugh. that close. Good Tuesday afternoon. It is the day after. I think Brian Haydad was just dabbing the corner of his eyes as he was shedding a tear that the uh, college football season is officially over. Unless you count like senior bowls as part of the college football season, which uh, we don't. Hey, content. We'll talk about it. That's fine. But that's not college football. College football is over. We do have the NFL playoffs beginning this week. So we've got another month of football before it completely dries up. And then this year, we're actually going to get the XFL in the spring. So if you are just a, a glutton for football on top of football on top of football, it's really not going away. But college football that we all love so very much has now gone away. Until the end of August, beginning of September... Of this year. So we'll wait for about eight and a half months. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and you coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. If you were on the Georgia Bulldogs last night, you woke up happy this morning. If you were on the over, you woke up happy this morning. If you did something stupid, like put together a teaser that you thought was sure to win, like because TCU was getting 20 points and you teased the over down to a manageable number, eh, you weren't so happy. Not saying that I fall into that category. I'm just thinking out loud here. Just saying. Uh, make it five years in a row, by the way, that the uh, winner of the national championship game has uh, won by 15 or more. But but it is the first consecutive year, yes, I know that's not a thing, um, in which the winner of the national championship game has won by 50 or more. Well, first consecutive. I mean, yep. Complete and yeah. total yeah. physical domination. Will Muschamp, after the game, said it best. He said lines of scrimmage. That's where they won the game. They won the games up front, or the game up front. That's, I mean, 
and you want to compare two weeks ago to now because too many people are doing the only Alabama could have competed with Georgia as if Ohio State didn't have a kick to win two weeks ago. Ohio State better on the lines of scrimmage than TCU. Ohio State's got a bunch of NFL guys on both sides of the ball up front. TCU not so much. Ohio State was able to hang with Georgia because they were able to you know, keep guys off of their quarterback and let him distribute the football and things like that. TCU mm-hmm. simply just, just couldn't do that last night. But the best coaching job Kirby Smart did was not development. Sorry, Peter Burns. Hopefully we can talk about you later. It was convincing a roster filled with college football's best players. Convincing them that nobody respected them. The quotes before the game from Stetson Bennett kind of gave you an eye on that. But how many Georgia players last night said something like, y'all thought we were going to go 5-7? and seven. They picked us not to win. They disrespected us. All that stuff. All the Georgia players talking about. There's video <laughs> after video of Georgia players saying things like, they thought we were going to go 7-5. and five. Well, that's ridiculous. Not a single person on this earth thought Georgia was going to be anything other than an elite football team. So people are laughing about it and making fun of it, and I understand why. But you know that takes a brainwashing, essentially, is what that is. Kirby Smart and his staff spent the entire season convincing those guys, despite them knowing that I'm better than every person I play against, that I'm disrespected. That That's a really good coaching job. People are overlooking it because of the ridiculousness, but man... You've got to brainwash those kids to get them to believe what they were saying last night. And I mean that complimentary. Yeah, I think there's some things to point to throughout the course of the season that maybe we only are able to look at in hindsight as being really, really well done by by Kirby Smart. Um, I thought his post-game interview with... Uh, was it with Holly or Molly? I, I I don't remember if it was Holly. I think it was was with Molly McGrath. She asked him about you know chip on the shoulder, whatever, and he said, yeah, small chip on the shoulder. But he said, you know, we're, we've got hard workers. We've got guys that love to go to work. They love to hit in practice. They love to lift weights, and we haven't had complacency or entitlement seep into our program. But that may be coming after games like this. I thought that was kind of a moment of honesty from Kirby Smart that it's going to be even harder to convince these guys that people don't think you're great already based on a 58-point win in the championship game. Borky, you've heard coaches say that you can't get your team up for every single game. Like, it can't be done. Georgia just went 15-0. They can't play... At, at peak efficiency 15 times. I think it was Jackie Sherrill, hey, Dad, that, that said years ago, you know, at, at best you can really get your team up two or three times a year. And I think we can look at the schedule and point to three times, maybe four, but three times where Kirby Smart pushed all the right buttons. And Borky, I don't think he beat into them the entire season the whole chip on the shoulder, they didn't think you were good enough. But I think he pushed the buttons at the right time. Number one, season opener, 49-3 over Missouri. Number two, that massive game in Athens against Tennessee. 
in the rain, packed house, eyes of the world on him. Score was not as lopsided as the actual performance on the field was. That was physical domination against a good Tennessee team that everybody was healthy at that point. The maybe third time would be the SEC championship game, but I don't really think so. I think they were just that much better than LSU. They won that game 50-30, to but they gave up 500 yards passing. It was never in question what the outcome of that game was going to be. And then last night was really the third time that he completely and fully got his team up and engaged. Yeah, a monsoon saved Tennessee that day. That's true. That's true. And, And so Kirby has figured out he knew he was talented enough to beat Missouri that they could play poorly in that game, that Missouri could have a lead with four and a half minutes to go in the game and they could still win it. He knew that all they had to do was roll out the helmets against Kent State. I mean, you remember when when Georgia played Kent State and they only scored like 36 or 37 in the game? I don't have the the final score in front of me. And we were like, ooh, Georgia oh, kind of played with points its food too. a little. I mean, yeah, it didn't matter. Because they were talented enough to win it, and if they needed to step on the gas at some point, they would be able to step on the gas. They almost went too far in that game against Missouri. They almost played with their food for too long. They're a great team, a talented team. They were over, able to overcome that. Hey, Dad, did you stick with it all the way through? So last night, midway through the game, I decided to upload my podcast and immediately got a couple of uh, tweets like, hey, you uploaded the wrong podcast. So, no, uh, I left about midway through the fourth quarter to come back up here to get the right podcast and and upload it. So no, I didn't watch the entire fourth. I, I didn't either. I watched every so play what did the I first miss, half. Uh, yeah, I, I, and, I didn't. I didn't see their. I didn't see the backups. Yeah. Um. Georgia tried to call off the dogs, pun unintended, and it didn't work. Like they they took everybody out, <laughs> and all the kids that never play still just moved the football right down the field like it was nothing. Yeah. And, and largely on the ground. I mean, threw it a little bit with their backup quarterback, who looked like he'll be fine as the starter yeah. next year. Did, that defensive line had a couple of freshmen on it. Looked like they're probably going to be okay next year. Yeah, and that's I, – I really, really like Peter Burns. I really like him. I've met him once, and he was incredibly pleasant. Just the complete and total opposite of Jordan Rodgers. Like, he, he talked to me like I was important. And I'm not, but he did. I love the guy. <laughs> but, man, when you say things like, well, see, Georgia does it with just developing talent. They don't use the transfer portal. It's like, Peter, they don't because they have four and five stars at every position, more so than any other program in college football. You, you think Kirby's just finding these diamonds in the rough and building them up? No, he's signing the best high school players in America. It doesn't take impressive development to get the five-star to be good. If you gave him Wake Forest's roster, do you think he's winning last night? No. Come on, man. They don't have to use the portal because they get the best players in the country. And that's part of coaching. So to Kirby's credit, you do what you got to do. But let's not pretend like you could get those kind of players everywhere, which is why programs like TCU use the portal to try to equalize because they can't get the best high school players in the country. Sam and Tupelo, 
Uh, made me chuckle on the ceasefire text line. I sure do hate that the game got canceled last night, but I thought it was nice that Georgia held an open practice for all the folks that uh, came out to see the contest. <laughs> yes. Oof. Sports Talk Mississippi. we got plenty more with you. Busy afternoon coming up. We'll be back in the Pearl River Resort studio after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. thought on last night's matchup between TCU and Georgia. Curious to know if you guys agree or not. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us this afternoon on the C Spire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It's backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. Where's that? Right here in C Spire country. Check them out online at cspire.com slash business. Based on what we saw last night, if Georgia and TCU matched up 10 times, I think Georgia would win all 10. Again, maybe something weird happens in one of them, but I think Georgia would win all 10 times if the stakes were what they were last night. But if they matched up 10 times, I don't think the game would look like that all 10 times. It would look like that at least half of the time, though. At least half. It, it could. TCU had to be perfect last night. They had three turnovers in the first half. They had a false start before their first offensive snap of the game. Max Duggan was running for his life. They had no answer for Georgia's defensive line. I don't think that changes. But like that throw on, what was it, second down or third down on the very first drive of the game, where Duggan was able to escape pressure, and then he just tried to kind of loop it over to, I don't know if it was wide receiver or tight end, and he overthrew him by like five yards. I mean, that was going to be like a move-the-chains play on first. Now, again, nothing that happened last night makes you think, oh, the outcome could have or would have been any different. Georgia was so dialed in. Todd Munkin called an unbelievably good and creative game offensively. They were moving people around everywhere. The running game was working. You mentioned it a second ago. Line of scrimmage, complete domination. I don't think it would look as lopsided as it did. I do think if they played 10 times, I'd lay 14 points 10 times in a row, though. Based on what I saw last night. Might not win all all 10 of them, but I'd win more than I lost. And it kind of makes me wonder, what were we thinking? Like, it's easy to do the look in the rearview mirror, hindsight is twenty twenty, revisionist history, all those things. But what were we thinking? Maybe hope. Not thinking that Georgia would win by two touchdowns over TCU last night. I mean, I don't even know if hope is the right word. I just, I honestly thought TCU might be able to break a couple of big plays and that would give them some scores. I, I And I couldn't have foreseen Georgia getting 65. I, I mean, I thought Georgia would get between 38 and 45. And that maybe TCU could 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 get some points and then get maybe a late garbage touchdown and and, and get the back door cover there, but not not to be the case. Yeah, you, you know what I think happened? We underappreciated Ohio State. 
I think that's Possible? what happened. Um, I, I was talking to somebody last night, and, and he said the, the national championship was won in Atlanta. The winner of that game was going to go on and, and beat TCU in this one regardless. And I kind of agree. I think that that is – because the the question is, if the, the kick goes in for Ohio State, what happens last night? I think Ohio State wins. And possibly comfortably. Maybe yeah. not like that, but – it's kind of like Ole Miss Arkansas playing that game to get to the College World Series finals this past year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The winner of that game won yeah. the national championship that day. Yes. The the winner of the, the Peach Bowl. And he, but what, what's so interesting about this is the discourse around, and then there's that viral, angry Mississippi State fan. I hope he's listening to this. Uh, that re- re- that that was just <laughs> it was a TikTok video, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just fighting mad at the committee for putting TCU in the championship. I guess he's unaware that the committee picks a fourteen playoff, and TCU had to beat the thirteen to zero Big Ten champion to get to the national championship. The committee didn't put TCU in this game; they put TCU against Michigan, and they beat Michigan to get there, but. People are doing this revisionist history thing. Well, Alabama definitely would have given them a better game last night. Probably so. I think they could have not getting not gotten beat like that. But Alabama has two losses this season. Tennessee, where they gave up 52 points in that loss, and LSU. Are we going to forget what you just mentioned earlier? What Georgia did to Tennessee and LSU? Georgia beat the absolute breaks off of both of them. Those were non-competitive football games from the jump. Why is anybody convinced that Alabama would not have also gotten blown out last night? Maybe not that number again, not that number. But why are we convinced that Alabama would have competed to win that game last night? Considering what we've seen from that Alabama team all, all year long, again, Lost to Tennessee. Georgia smoked Tennessee. Lost to LSU. Georgia smoked LSU. Should have lost to Texas A&M. A ball was thrown into the end zone in their old Miss game. Should have lost to Texas. This is not your best example for Alabama should have been in because of my feelings. They would have gotten beat badly last night as well. Georgia is the best team in college football. Ohio State is the second-best team in college football, despite the way they looked against Michigan. The lines of scrimmage would have looked different Mm -hmm. if the opponent had been Ohio State. I think it would have looked a little bit different if the opponent had been Michigan. A little. It would have looked different if the opponent had been Alabama. But, But TCU couldn't stack up with the big guys at the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball. Georgia's offensive line had, I mean, think about the, the, the two touchdown runs for Stetson Bennett untouched into the end zone on those two touchdown runs. I, I don't know what the final number was, but for a big part of that game, Georgia was averaging 10 yards per play. It was a level of domination that we don't see very often especially on that big of a stage. And yet, TCU belonged. They did the work to get themselves to that point, and so they belonged there. It's like saying Butler didn't belong in a national championship game. 
in college basketball. Yeah, they did. Because they won five games in the tournament to get to the title game. So they absolutely belonged. Were they outmatched? Were they outclassed? Were they dominated? Maybe. But they belonged there. They earned their way to that point. Would you have preferred a different matchup in the title game? Maybe so. That's fine. I did have somebody ask me earlier today. Good friend. Brett Norsworthy. He and I had lunch today. And uh, Brett asked me, he's like, you think TCU fans think it was worth it? <laughs> and I didn't have a good answer for that, hey, Dad. Like, if you're a TCU fan, are you glad that you went to that game? By the way, great crowd last night. 70,000-plus, and it looked like it was split just about down the middle. Chris Fowler made it a point to say early in the broadcast, not a corporate ca- crowd, electric inside the building. If you were one of those 30,000 TCU fans that was there last night, hey, Dad, do you wish you hadn't gone, or are you glad you went? That's a tough one because yeah, yeah, we have the benefit of hindsight, right? Like right now, it'd be easy to say, "Gosh, I, I wish I hadn't spent all this money to watch my team get massacred." But what's that moment like when Duggan scores to cut it to what ten seven? Mm-hmm. What's that moment like for you as a fan? Like we're in this, we got a chance, and yeah, it gets away from you. Yeah. But that's the moment where you think my team is maybe going to. I mean, you know. As a state fan, as an Ole Miss fan, are we ever going to even have a moment like that where we're like, we're about to win a football national title? I don't know. So, I mean, if you go there with your family and you enjoy yourself or your friends, I mean, the trip itself can be enough reward. I, I, I wouldn't regret going. Borky, would you have regret yeah. having gone? Knowing what those people paid. Did you see SoFi Stadium, by the way, what a joke for what, $9 billion, a covered stadium. There's only five. People, five were, billion. people were getting rained on. Did you see that? Yeah. So That was in that year's money, and in, in now's money, it's $9 billion. Yeah. So, and it was TCU fans. Of course it was TCU fans. So if you haven't been paying Get attention really to the news, uh, like 90% of California had 90% getting, inflation in the last five years, well, but okay. You know, 90% it's been rough. Of the state of California is getting inflated with floodwaters and stuff, yeah. bad weather. But they had a windy, rainy, unchar- uncharacteristic day in Southern California. The stadium is open air, but it is, it's got a roof on it, but it's open air. But there is a section of the stadium, a few sections in one of the upper decks, that is close to being uncovered, but it's still covered. Yeah. Wind was blowing rain into those sections, so only those people were getting rained on, and it was all TCU fans in the second half of that game. So their team's getting smoked, they paid thousands of dollars to be there, and they're in a dome getting rained on. (laughs) Pets' heads are falling off. It was terrible. (laughs) Insult to injury. I don't know. I I think SoFi is a really cool setup. Uh, pretty, it looks pretty phenomenal. Uncharacteristic uh, uh, night in Southern California. Hey, we're going to switch gears when we come back. We're going to go. We're going to go to the Farm Bureau phone line. And we're going to visit with Charlie Winfield, who is a man that wears a bunch of hats. One of those hats is running the Bulldog Initiative. And looking forward to visiting with Charlie for a while. We will do that coming up next on the Farm Bureau phone line. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm.
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. As always, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. And on the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We are joined by Charlie Winfield. Charlie is a guy who wears a bunch of hats. He is an attorney. And if, if you're watching on Super Talk TV, he's got all of the books on the bookshelf behind him to prove that he is indeed a barrister. Uh, he is a, uh, I guess, part-time television announcer, analyst on the SEC Network Plus for Mississippi State events. And he is running the Bulldog Initiative, which is Mississippi State's uh, primary NIL platform. Charlie, we've been trying to uh, catch up with you for a while. A lot going on. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. Anytime I can share the airwaves with Brian Haydad, I know that I'm having a good day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I feel like that occasionally. I don't feel like that every day, but occasionally I feel that way. He didn't feel I, like that the day after Thanksgiving, I promise you that. I was off that day, wasn't I? I don't remember. No, no, you were here. You were here. <laughs> I, I think I was here. So, Charlie, <laughs> let's let's dive into uh, to an NIL discussion uh, specifically related to the Bulldog Initiative. And we were talking kind of off air. I'm kind of wondering, from your perspective, when you look at NIL, how it has evolved in the last, I guess, 17 months or so since it kind of became legal to, to go down this road. Because when we started this, it was name, image, and likeness, marketing opportunities for student-athletes, and it very clearly has turned into a massive recruiting tool that most people are calling pay-for-play. So when you look at the environment in which we are in right now, Give me your 30,000-foot perspective. A lot of uncertainty, really. It's interesting when you look at it. Mississippi State and Ole Miss, the last college baseball champion of the old era and the first of the new, in the sense that when Mississippi State came home from the College World Series having won it, NIL was a thing, and it wasn't when they left to go there. And so... Mm. I think back, that seems like years ago, but in terms of the way that laws unfold, it hadn't been that long, really. But I think the thing that has probably frustrated everybody, it it certainly me, is the, I'll just say it, a lack of leadership at the NCAA level to say what we can do and not do, what is legal and illegal. I don't know if it comes from fear. I don't know if it comes from an unwillingness to act or an uncertainty or all the above. But I always get a kick. The NCAA puts out interim guidance, and they always tell you what you should have been doing, but they never told you what in advance what to do. So I will say this, though. I think a lot of people have a negative perception of NIL, and there certainly are. Let's be clear. Uh, don't think for a minute there aren't kids sitting in Oxford and Starble getting phone calls from people across the state line saying, have you thought about where you're playing next year? Those things are clearly going on, but there's a lot good, too. And I, I think about college baseball as an example. We're sitting in a state without a lottery, without a way to, to fund some things, where the average baseball player gets about a 42% scholarship. This gives a way to help kind of bridge the gap just from a fairness standpoint with what we've all been dealing with compared to a Vanderbilt, for example. Um, it gives kids the option to stay in school another year who might have felt the pressure to go pro perhaps earlier. So there's goods, there's bads. I think the biggest thing for me is just the uncertainty in the environment. And it's none of our fault, but we all have to live with it. When you hear Greg Sankey um, 
on, on numerous occasions talk about the, the need for national legislation, needing our Congress to act on this. I'm a Greg Sankey fan, and I think he's a really, really bright guy, and maybe that is the easiest thing, but expecting Congress to do something in a timely fashion that's going to make sense to me is a little bit foolhardy. And the other piece of it he says is because the, the current environment we have is a patchwork quilt of state laws um, that, that, you know, you don't have everybody playing by the same rules. Do you fall in the line with, with what he says about us needing a national standard, uh, whether that comes from the NCAA or from, from Congress, or do you think there's a better way to go about it? No, I think ultimately we do need some sort of standard, uh, whether that comes through collective bargaining with the athletes, whether it comes from Congress. I mean, it took, what, 15 votes to figure out who the speaker was going to be, so I'm not terribly encouraged that they're going to very quickly get behind a NIL law, and I never underestimate their ability to make things worse through legislation instead of better. And so ultimately, I think to some degree, we're gonna see a market correction. There's going to be just uh, the forces of economics are gonna prevail at some point and put an end to some of the foolishness. But at the same point, I do think there has to be some sort of standard I wouldn't rule out, though, that in four or five years, I think one could have a very good debate about how long the NCAA as we know it will be in existence and whether there may be some new body, whether the SEC itself can take charge of things. And I'd be perfectly happy to have somebody like Greg Sankey doing it. I'm not so sure I want Tommy Tuberville uh, or some of the guys in Washington trying to figure it out. (laughs) Charlie, one thing I've been curious about for the past few weeks is, you know, the season ends, and, and I know you know players meet with you about the Bulldog Initiative and and, and what they're what they're going to see from the Bulldog Initiative going forward. How do you arrive at the number that you're that you're willing to talk to these guys about? How do, how do you come across with, if you want to call it a salary or, or a signing bonus or whatever it is? How do you come come up with the number you're willing to offer these guys? Is that something you talk with the coaches about, or is that something that you're sort of you, you don't have a lot of guidance on? Well, one of the things, uh, because of the NCAA rules, coaches can't actually tell you what to do. I think I'm probably fortunate to live less than a mile from campus. And so, um, and through some of my other hats that I get to wear, to have a, a decent idea about who is, you know, who, what the NIL value of particular players are. But to a lot of, uh, to a great extent, I'm just trying to have to make good decisions and decisions on the fly. And obviously, the challenge is, there's no book, there's no manual. It's uh, it's an art, not a science, as they say, to trying to figure it out. One of the things though, for me, and I was never a believer in Moneyball. Uh, I thought the movie was, uh, you know, they leave out a lot of the key details, like the fact that you got Barry Zito and Tim Hudson pitching, right? So <laughs> I don't really think- And Mark Mulder, that, don't know, forget Mark Mulder, he was really good. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but you know, you're not going to win uh, with that mentality necessarily, but at the same time, Financial discipline is important to me. And I think as emotion goes up, one of the things that goes down is intelligence and, and good decisions. So I think if there's any benefit that I've had over the years of being around sports is I've become less emotional and more analytical. And so you just try to, to, to make good decisions. And, and then you want to think about what a difference those players can have for you in terms of, um, what recognition they get to help perpetuate what you're doing. And so 
like I said, there's no guide. There's no, what was it when we were kids? You collected cards, baseball cards. You go get the Beckett's and you could see what a card cost. You know, there's, yeah. we don't have one of those. You just kind of figure it out as you go. But um, we've, we feel like we've been financially responsible, which is one of the things I think is just paramount. Unfortunately, and this is going to hurt schools. Brian, if you look around the country right now, just watch Twitter. How many guys in basketball in particular were promised things? And now every time you see a tweet that says, hey, all these promises aren't coming through, they're the ones liking and retweeting it. And mm -hmm. ultimately there's a reputational cost to schools when their collectives can't keep their promises. And that's kind of one of the things for me from day one is we're not gonna promise anything we can't deliver on. Got a couple of minutes left here in this segment. Charlie's gonna stick with us uh, through the, uh, the commercial break for another one. Let's go back to late October, early November, when John Cohen leaves Mississippi State. And it's reported by Ross Dellinger that the Bulldog Initiative is, is he made it sound like they were in dire straits. Uh, and that sort of sparked two things. One, I thought it felt like it was misinformation. And two, it sparked a, a grassroots campaign on message boards, on social media, to get people to join the Bulldog Initiative. And you had a massive uh, increase in membership. Just sort of talk us through those days after John Cohen departed when that report comes out and how you handled that and how people reacted to that report. If I could bring John Cohen back today and have him quit again and maybe have him keep doing that, we'd be right where we need to be. Uh, it was, you know, what is it about us guys from Mississippi, right? Sometimes we like to be challenged. We like to be told that there's a problem before we react to it. Uh, we don't always come inside till we actually see the tornado. And and I think there was some element of that. People wanted kind of def to defend themselves. The other thing is, and this was a strategic decision on my part, was you can get out there and brag about what you're doing, uh, or you can keep quiet and just try to do good work quietly. I'm a little more of the second. You know, there's a reason that the major league owners don't turn over the books to the players. And the more you brag about what you do, you're giving away a ton of information and information is leverage. So there was a lot of misinformation that was put out. That being said, uh, I would love to, our numbers of online enrollees quadrupled in eight days. And so, uh, like I said, maybe the key to success is more misinformation. We're going to continue our conversation with uh, Charlie Winfield, who's running the Bulldog Initiative, which is the NIL platform for uh, Mississippi State. If you're a Mississippi State fan and you don't know how to be a part of this, we'll let Charlie tell you how to get involved with that when we come back. More with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and, of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We'll be right back. in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi wrapping up the first hour of the show this afternoon. Ari Wasserman is going to join us in the uh, 4 o'clock hour. We'll talk to him about last night's national championship game. Also, uh, Dan Matthews from 680 The Fan in Atlanta will be on with us. Schedules work out in the 5 o'clock hour. 
uh, was there covering Georgia last night. But right now we continue our conversation with Charlie Winfield on the Farm Bureau guest line. And, Charlie, I teased this before the break. Let's make sure we do this before time runs out. In terms of um, people that are either on the fence and haven't yet pulled the trigger or are listening and they're like, oh, wow, this is news to me. I can be involved. How do people get involved with supporting Mississippi State's NIL through the, the Bulldog Initiative? Well, it's easy. They can go to bulldoginitiative.com, and we can connect them right there. It's got all the information they need, and uh, happy to talk to anyone any way they want to talk. They could call us, email us, or find a lot of information there. To the people on the fence, Richard, I get this all the time, people saying, I don't know that I like NIL, and I tell them, I don't like the summer heat, but I use my air conditioner. You know, you, you can't ignore that it happens. Because much like gravity, this is just a rule of nature right now. It exists. And so we either have to react to it because pretending like it's there or is it there isn't going to work. You know, we talked with with Walker Jones a a few weeks back. Um, I obviously haven't talked to anybody at Alabama or Auburn or LSU. Everybody has all of these. But everybody, I think, is protecting whatever is in their war chest like it's the nuclear codes. Nobody's letting that actual information out unless it's, uh, you know, to generate publicity and, and show that they've gotten to a certain benchmark. And, and so I'm not asking you to divulge that, but I am curious when some of the things that were announced at the end of the season, guys coming back, how, how do you balance the resources that you have available in, turn of, in terms of player retention versus player acquisition, be it through high school coming in recruiting or the transfer portal? Yes, it's pretty easy for me philosophically, just from the very beginning. Um, I always laugh. There have been players who've been rumored to go to schools for a lot of money, and I say that uh, they'd have paid a lot more to get rid of them a year later if you'd have pulled the fan base. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to be you have to be careful about shiny new things. I'm one of these guys who's a fan of guys who've proven themselves. The other thing is, in the NIL world, there's really just a few rules that we know that are hard, fast, and that is that people in my position can't go talk to recruits and you can't go try to induce people to transfer. So it makes it really easy for me because we're we're playing within the lines. And so for us, it's it's all about dealing with people who are on our campus and who are athletes already. So for us, the balance becomes pretty easy. And yet that's happening. I mean, like we, we can't pretend like it's not happening other places. No, it, it absolutely is. Uh, and, and it's, you know, what we're starting to see is that some of the people doing it are starting to get letters. There's starting to be questions asked. Now, I have my doubts as to how far the NCAA is going to go. But, mm. you know, it doesn't help when you see schools, um, I won't call any names, but in South Florida who uh, have a guy announce he's transferring one day and, Within an hour, somebody's bragging about their NIL deal. Maybe they work quickly. I don't know. Uh, they clearly know things are going on. Uh, but for us, I, I think our philosophy is just going to be about uh, trying to take care of the guys who've, who've been here and done it. I, I and know, then I in terms of in. attracting. No, no, I'm no, sorry, I Rich. I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. In go terms ahead. of attracting, what you have to do is create an environment that people recognize once they go, there will be deals available. And so to the extent you're trying to attract people to us, you know, there's a reason singers go to Nashville because they know they can be found, mm-hmm. and we want people to know they can be found when they come here. 
Sustainability is a question that's, that's fascinating to me. And I'm just going to make this number out of thin air. Let, let's say that you raise $5 million this year, and, and that's great, and that allows you to do all the things that you need to do. How do you turn around and raise $5 million again next year and the year after that, or have that number go up because the market is growing? It's, uh, it's a challenge. I think one of the ways that you can do it, and one of the only ways, is because you can only go back to the well so many times with the same people. One of the things that we've been able to do is to, to help create marketing opportunities for businesses. Those are dollars that have been being spent. And now what you're looking at is a reallocation of money that was going to be spent anyway. And you try to move things that way. But yeah, but just in all candor, um, sustainability is one of the things that keeps me up at night. And it goes back to why you don't make promises that you aren't sure you can keep but because we just don't know how long you can keep doing this. Charlie, we got about 60 seconds here, but we had this question on the text line, and we had it today on Thunder and Lightning in our rumbling segment. Do you foresee a day where the Bulldog Initiative and the Bulldog Club, or any schools like that, are working together where your donation to the initiative can improve your seats in the stadium, can get get you perks on campus, things like that? We hope so. One of the things, and I think having a new athletic director in place will help answer that question. The NCAA guidance says that a school can't give an asset to someone for donating to a collective. Although the school can ask you to give, they can't give you an asset. The question then becomes, are points of that nature, are those rewards an asset or is it something intangible that doesn't count? And right now, there's it's just another gap in the in the rules we just don't know. Maybe one of those books over your shoulder would answer that question. Well, I'd like to answer it for them, uh, but <laughs> they, they just won't let me do it yet. Hey, Charlie, thanks so much for uh, for time today. I know you got a ton going on. Really appreciate you sitting down with us. No, I enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Appreciate Charlie Winfield spending some time with us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. If you missed it earlier, Charlie was uh, telling you about the website where you can go to uh, support the Bulldog Initiative or just contact them to get more information to uh, learn about what they're doing, how they're going about it, and how you can be a part of it, whether you are an individual or a business the website is simply bulldoginitiative.com. You may need a spell check on initiative. Did you catch his reference, ones. by the way? I, I think he was talking about the situation that's unfolding in Florida. Maybe he was talking about Miami. But I'm going to pretend like he was talking about what's happening at Florida. So remember uh, Jaden Rashada? Mm-hmm. The high, high-profile recruit. He was going to Miami, and then he left his commitment so, to Miami to go to Florida. And the reason that people around here might be familiar with him, he visited Ole Miss, and a, his brothers on the team apparently loved Lane Kiffin. He and him did the car picture and everything. They had a deep bond, but at the end of the day, Miami offered more than Ole Miss could, so he committed 
to Miami and then changed his mind, you can probably read into that what you will, and decided to go to Florida, a very publicly talked about NIL deal worth millions upon millions of dollars for Jane Rashada. Somebody in his camp even gave quotes to On3, like just laying out financial stuff with how much money he was commanding. I mean, very wide open. Well, hasn't enrolled in Florida yet. He was supposed to be an early enrollee, has not okay. enrolled at Florida yet. There uh, has been some reporting that it is not academic-related, like was initially told, and apparently there might be a holdout happening right now. Now, that's all conjecture. Nobody's reported straight up on the record. That's exactly what's happening, but he has not enrolled in school. And a, a reporting, like actual reporters have said it's not academic, like what was the initial rumor. And that's not the first player that's talked about how the Florida Collective is not making good on promises. Hmm. So, something to keep an eye on. Florida fans are losing their minds right now because Rashada has not enrolled and he should have by now. So, you used a really interesting phrase. By the way, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of... Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. You can book your tee time online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. You used the word just a second ago, holdout. I don't know, we don't know, the details behind Jane Rashada's agreement to go to Florida, right? Or his agreement to walk away from his commitment to Miami and then choose Florida. We don't know what he was promised. But I'm asking you, the, the two of you, this question very openly. If he was promised X number of dollars by a certain day, date on the calendar, day on the calendar, a certain date, and whoever it was, the Florida Collective, that promised that money to him did not deliver... Should we fault Jaden Rashada at all for not having enrolled? Absolutely not. You make an agreement with somebody, you have to live up to your, your end of the agreement. That's how life works. At least it's how it should work. And if he made an agreement with them and they have not delivered on it, he is well within his rights to, to do otherwise. I mean, none of us would show up none of us would show up to work. You know, payday is is, is the fifteenth and the thirtieth. And if we didn't get paid on the 15th and they were like, okay, well, we'll be paid you by the 19th. If you don't show up, by, doesn't know by the 19th, who's coming to work? I'm, you know, I'm staying home until we get this, this squared away. So, yeah, he's fully within his rights to be doing that, if that is indeed the case. Love to speculate. Yeah. I mean, both things can be true at once, right? It's, it's completely and totally absurd that Florida reportedly offered at or around $9 million for a quarterback that's never taken a college snap. That is absurd, but that is somebody else's money, not mine. They can spend it stupidly if they'd like. But yes, it's also true that if they're not holding up their end of the bargain before he even steps on campus, how can you be sure that they're going to give you what they were promised two years from now? I mean, look, it's... You know, some, this makes people uncomfortable because this isn't the college football that they know and love, but 
put yourself in his shoes. It, just like Haydad laid out. Exactly. People people become hypocrites when it comes to stuff like this. Brett Bielema had a quote last week, and by the way, he is openly talking about a kid that flipped from his program to Auburn on Twitter right today. Talking about how that kid took more money to go to Auburn. Just out, just wide open, Brett Bielema is today. Sour grapes for sure. Uh, sour grapes, but why is that out of bounds? It's But hear me out. Because it's okay. hypocritical. He's a hypocrite. Last week he said that NIL in the portal pisses him off, is the phrase he used. Okay. Says the guy that left Wisconsin for Arkansas to chase a better opportunity and more money. So why is it okay, you, to leave one place for another to chase a better opportunity and more money, but it is not okay for another legal adult man to do the exact same thing? Why are you attacking this kid for going to a better place to play football and probably for more money when you yourself did the exact same thing? That's what I don't like. It's hypocrisy. Brett Bielema's a hypocrite. Is he saying that it makes him mad because it exists or he it makes him mad the way that it's operating? Because I, th- I think that's... I think that's an important distinction. If he's just mad that it exists, period, that student-athletes have the opportunity to legally be paid, then yeah, I, I would agree with you that it's hypocritical. If he's mad that it is completely out of control and it's just simply a bidding war, then that's less hypocritical. That, that that sounds like him leaving Wisconsin for Arkansas, though. I mean, it, it a bidding war. We should all be so lucky to have multiple people bidding for our services. Oh, that yeah, sounds no awesome. I would love to have that happen in my life. Sure. I mean, re- regardless of where in you are in your life, you're, you're kind of working for leverage. And then you know, I just want to see. I just want to see Borky tweeting out, "Blessed to receive an offer from," <laughs> with with a Google image search of the first four pictures he could find with the related to the offer. I'm gonna do that every year. We should do that. Just like get somebody uh, to make graphics for us. Locked in for another yeah. year. Sports talk Mississippi. Blessed to be back. Prayer emoji. That's right. <laughs> Does that immediately get followed by the question of? Uh, where does he think he was going? Because <laughs> that's what you say, Borky. Yeah. When, when, when a yeah. kid says, hey, I'm returning for it, you're like, where were you going? Well, or, now we've got these kids who are like out of eligibility, and they're putting out graphics. Like Caleb Ducking, good kid, good player. He puts out today, I'm declaring for the NFL draft. You're out of eligibility. <laughs> what else are you going to declare for? The private sector? Grad school? What do you mean that you're declaring actually, for the draft? That actually would be kind of cool if um uh who would be a good example? Did Mac Brown, the punter, actually declare for the NFL draft last year for Ole Miss? I I, I don't I do remember. Recall. I, w- I was just it was like first special teams player that I could think of that like is done. If 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 Mac Brown did not declare for the NFL draft, I don't remember if he did or not. If he if he had declared 
Just want to announce that I am now officially entering the private sector. <laughs> Please yeah. respect my wishes. I'll go back to Australia to, to hunt crocodiles. B- blessed to have signed with KPMG. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe a, uh, a sturdier career path than, than some of the guys that are taking a shot at the NFL, um, if, it, uh, if it happens. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Always uh, great to be with you. We want to hear back from you. Ari Wasserman from The Athletic will join us uh, about 20 minutes from right now. He was he was at last night's national championship game, wasn't he? Was it, wasn't he there, hey, Dad? Or was it an off-site? I believe, I believe the whole athletic team was there, yeah. Yeah. I did have a feeling at one point watching the pregame coverage and the in-game coverage, is there anybody other than us that covers college football that was not in Los Angeles last night? Maybe a few Everybody others. Everybody had a seat at the table. Yeah. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of folks there. So I uh, want to hear from you. want to talk more about last night's game. We've got basketball tonight, four games in the SEC. Ole Miss hosting Auburn tonight, Mississippi State with basketball tomorrow night on the road against Georgia. Uh, Plenty more to get to in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Opening in Mississippi sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. Can Stetson Bennett play in the NFL? Is Nate Peterman still playing in the NFL? Yes. Didn't Nate Peterman throw a touchdown pass this weekend or multiple? Can Stetson Bennett start in the NFL? And now we're we're wondering. As a team... Okay, stop, 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 stop. But why? Why? I just don't... I mean, I think he's a winner... He's got a lot of the intangibles. He, if you could combine Stetson Bennett and the intangibles with Will Levis and the physical tools, I'll win ten Super Bowls with that guy. No, hold but, on a second. That's not fair. That, that's not fair. Stetson Bennett's that's a better what I'm athlete. saying. He's a better athlete than Will Levis. I don't know if I agree with that, but oh, what I, I'm just saying. Have you watched him play? I'm just saying. Well, well, being an athlete isn't just about being, you know, a, a decent runner. Levis has a better arm. He's bigger and stronger. Oh, whoa, whoa, hold on. Okay, so let's quantify better arm. Because he can throw it over that mountain over there, he has a better arm? He's not accurate. Yes, he throws it to the other team. No, that's not. A better arm can't just be, I throw it farther than you. Rohan Davey that's what, could stand that's, on that's one. What Josh, that's what got Josh Allen drafted is he had a cannon on his arm. His, his passing numbers in college were awful. But the problem if, is, I don't think that, I think Josh Allen is, a, is an alien. I don't know that he's replicable. Yeah, but but again, though, by by better arm, if you simply mean he can stand at the goal line and throw it to the opposite twenty yard line, that is that the only metric we're talking about? Because he is not remotely close to as accurate 
Hey, Stetson Bennett. I, I don't know if you watched any of the different camera angles last night. I was a little, and I think I've grown on this throughout the course of the year, but because Stetson Bennett's a former walk-on and because he left to go to JUCO and he had to fight for his job, I think people discount arm strength. Man, he's got some zip on the ball. He's a good college quarterback. I will say this, and, and somebody, I saw this, I don't know if it was on Facebook or whatever, but there's something to it for me. and I don't, It's just stuck in my head. That is there something to the idea that Stetson Bennett is 25 years old and he's playing with the most talented team in college football and he's playing against a bunch of 19, 20 year olds for the most part? Like, he's older than Justin Fields. What would Georgia be if Justin Fields was their quarterback this year? He's older the than the same four thing they just are NFL quarterbacks. Starting That's quarterbacks. That's what I'm saying. It's NFL. like. He is he he is the age that most quarterbacks would be starting their third or fourth year in the NFL. And he's a grown man. He's an adult, he and is. he's still playing against a lot of kids. Yeah, but people. I mean, talk what if you gave him like a high school a team? Like, oh, he's small and he's skinny, and he. It, well, he is both of those. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I'm not that. He, he he's he's a small, skinny guy. He's a man. He's a grown up. I mean, could a high school team play with a 21 year old? I'm going to push back on something else you said. You said okay. he's a good college quarterback. Hey, he's a great college quarterback. Good is in not terms the of right his word. legacy. No, no, I, he, I agree with that. Yeah, in terms of his legacy, he won two national championships. His legacy is great. But if, if I said I got to drive in all four playoff games that he played off in his career, if I have to pick a quarterback to start a team, am I going to pick Stetson Bennett in my first twenty guys? No. Like all-time college football players? Am I thinking Stetson Bennett over Cam Newton or Tim Tebow or Tommy Frazier? Or, or, or Am anybody? I taking no. Stetson Bennett in the NFL over Tim Tebow? Yes. Probably. Yes. Probably. It's, different. it's different, though. Tim it's Tebow was drafted game. in the first round. He shouldn't have been. Well, that was foolishness. Was. You saw how that went. He did win a playoff game. Will Stetson Bennett ever start and win a playoff game? I mean, I don't know the answer to that. He doesn't appear to have the mental. He clearly doesn't appear to have the mental issues that Manziel had. But Manziel was physically limited as <laughs> nobody well. has those issues. But but Johnny Manziel was physically limited as a professional quarterback as well. There there are things that you can do on a college field that you can't do on an NFL field. I mean, and and there's only 32 of those jobs available. And once you get one, and you're decent, even you hang on. Andy Dalton still starting games in the NFL and playing well. I mean, once you get one of these jobs, you don't really let him go. It's if anything else, a counter to to what you're asking would be the availability of the jobs for him to go win and be a starter. I mean, it's taken Trevor Lawrence a couple of years to be decent. He's not great yet. He's just decent. And that—that's the question. I mean, Zach Wilson's a failure in New York. The, the Jets people want to spin it and call it otherwise. He's a failure. So, would you rather have Stetson? Would you rather try with Stetson Bennett coming out of Georgia with what he's just done, or try like the Jets did with Zach Wilson coming out of BYU? If you're asking me who I would draft, it's—it's it's, it's a different thing though because. Like, Will Levis is probably going to be a first-round pick. I would never take Will Levis in the first round. But if I can get Stetson Bennett in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, yeah, I'll take him. I'll take a chance on that, sure.
Without a doubt. Would I take Stetson Bennett in the first round? No, but I also wouldn't take Will Levis in the first round. Let's look at the guys that, that started games this past weekend in the NFL. Jarrett Stidham started for the Raiders. I know cars hurt. Well, and, and they're moving on from him as well. They're gonna they're in the draft market for a quarterback for sure. Maybe free agent, maybe they go for Jimmy G, but yeah. I mean, Desmond Ritter showed signs this year for Atlanta. Got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly a terrible guy organization. Like Josh Allen is different. Uh yeah. I think Kirk Cousins is different, right? I mean, yeah, there are a lot of people that argue, well, Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's been at it in the NFL as a starter for a long time. He's getting paid a ton of money. Very successful NFL quarterback, despite the kind of true narrative about him after 1 o'clock. Here's my question. Here's my question, boys. Would you rather have Stetson Bennett playing quarterback for your New Orleans Saints or whatever collection of crap it is that you've got right now? Uh, Dalton over Bennett, yes, absolutely. A guy that's won playoff games in the NFL, yes. 100% yes. Did we look at what Dalton did this year? Yeah, 100% yes. The NFL is to- completely and totally different. The-, the Saints every week don't line up with better players than their opponent at every single position. Would you, would you rather have Andy Dalton or 2009 Greg McElroy? Would you rather have Andy Dalton or 2011 okay. A.J. McCarron? Okay, Bennett's way better than McElroy and McCarron. Well, but yeah, but that's that's sort of what those guys are. They are good college quarterbacks who are surrounded by elite talent. It's almost impossible for them to fail. If Stetson Bennett sucked, it would be a real indictment on how bad he was. Okay. I kind of feel like there's a team that's going to be glad that they drafted him. It's going to take the right situation. As always. I mean, you think Brady wins six Super Bowls in Detroit? I mean, think about the guys who got a shot as first or second or third rounders. Or number ones overall. I like this question. Like, there's a laundry uh, list of Southern Cal quarterbacks that didn't work out in the NFL. That had all the tools. I like this question from from our our friends T-Bob and Aaron Murray. Is Stetson Bennett the greatest Georgia player of all time? No, Herschel Walker is. It, but he, I think he's two. It def- well, it depends on what you mean greatest. Because if you asked an Ole Miss fan, ask an Ole Miss fan, who's the, give me the Mount Rushmore, and we don't do that because we're more creative than that, but the Mount Rushmore of Ole Miss players, very few would name Laramie Tunsil. And he should be number right. one in terms of football player. I, 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 have, said, I have said before that Wilson. the. The, the the number one Mississippi State player should not be Dak Prescott. It's Jeff Simmons. Jeff Simmons is the greatest Mississippi State football player in terms of being a football player of all time, in my opinion. So I think that's a bit because college, especially at the high level, is about winning in the national championship. And if you're a quarterback that wins two national championships, your physical limitations and your stats kind of aren't important in the legacy of your of your career. Get a message from a friend, and this is a guy who would know. It says in the NFL, you have to have a reliable, decent quarterback that will not hurt your team. There's a lot of truth to that. Now, if you want to take it to the next level, if you want to be a Super Bowl winning team, unless you have a super 
defense, a la the Baltimore Ravens when Trent Dilfer was their quarterback, you got to have more than just a decent quarterback who doesn't hurt you. you got to have a guy that makes some plays some of the time. But there's some real truth to a quarterback who is good enough and doesn't get you in trouble and makes the plays that are there to be made in the NFL, that can equal a long career. I don't know what that looks like for Stetson Bennett. All it takes is one turned ankle. And and I'm more convinced than ever he's not just going to get a token shot, he's getting a real shot. Sports Talk Mississippi. Ari Wasserman joins us next. Sports Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming with you. Supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Twelve of them across the Magnolia State. Coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Ari Wasserman joins us now from The Athletic. Yes, we're talking national championship game. He joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ari! That was some game last night, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that's one way to put it. It was something. Um, the le- level of expectation going into last night's game for you versus what we actually got. Uh, I went into the game thinking there was a zero percent chance that TCU could win. Okay. So uh, I didn't think it would be quite that that bad, but I thought it would be bad. Um, and you look at the the two rosters, and you really take all the Disney movie, David and Goliath, um, you know, want to see the underdog uh, succeed, uh, you know, point of view out of the equation, you you find a roster that uh, just can't stack up. I don't think there's more than three or maybe even two uh, players on TCU's roster that would start for the opposition and usually in the game of football uh, that you get what, what we saw. So, uh, you know, winning a national championship in college football is a very hard thing to do. It takes years of elite-level recruiting and, um, you know, development and all the things that, you know, go into creating a roster like that. And, you know, TCU might have seemed like they were four quarters away from winning a national championship, but I think we found out they were much further away than that. Blue chip index strikes again, I, I guess, ultimately, when you look at the way the rosters are constructed. It, it does, I think, bring up a interesting conversation right i mean there are very few teams in the country that are equipped to build a roster the way georgia has built a roster whether it's resources or brand id or history of success or whatever i mean you got georgia you got alabama a few others i mean southern cal lsu maybe texas a&m if they ever put it together i i don't know there can you do it though in a non-traditional way because we talked all about the transfer portal and how TCU's roster was built with a bunch of guys that were transfers and got them to that point. Can it be done for a non-traditional power? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, that's what we're going to find out as the transfer portal continues to get more and more prevalent. I mean, I think we're expecting 2,500-plus players going into that portal this year, and, um, you know, the player or the, the coaches and the and the programs that, you know, market themselves as a top destination for transfer players um, that might care a little bit less about what kids care about during recruiting and more about, you know, playing time and, and NFL potential, you know, I, I think they have a shot now. The real reality is, is TCU did a tremendous job in the portal, right? But how many more all-conference players would you have to put on TCU's team last night for them to be competitive? I think like it could be as many as like ten. So that is where I kind of hit a sticking point of like Georgia is signing fifteen top one hundred players a year and keeping them in the program for the most part, like the amount of talent that they have in the cupboards there from the high school ranks is so lopsided in comparison to all the three or four other teams in college football that like, if you were looking at a team like TCU or a team like UCLA or Nebraska, or, you know, these, these middle tier programs that actually are attractive, you know, destinations for, transfer prospects like what do they have to do in order to get to that point i mean michigan state last year when they won 10 games or whatever it was did a tremendous job finding kenneth walker and guys like that in the portal and they won 10 games mm-hmm. like are we ever going to see a super team built through the portal like i don't know that i would anticipate that now there's been more evolution in the game of football or college football the last two or three years than there has been in the previous 50 combined so as things continue to settle and things change and NIL gets more prevalent and transferring gets more prevalent, maybe we'll start to see you know roster construction done by certain programs in different ways. But as long as most of these programs are signing 15 to 25, 30 players in, out of high school in a given year, I don't really know if you can make up enough ground to win a national championship uh, through the portal. Uh, college football is a game that can be – enjoyed for multiple reasons uh, in multiple different ways, depending on who you root for or what you like about it. This is a discussion about the national championship, and it's always been this way in the sport, but it is a haves and have-nots sport. And the reality is that 85% of the of the teams in college football uh, are never going to win a national championship. And everybody's excited about the expanded playoffs, but that's going to make it even harder for teams like TCU to make it this far. So it's just it's kind of a tough pill to swallow, but some programs just have to root for other things besides beating Georgia because it's just never going to happen. All right, so let's unpack that last thing that you just said. It's going to make it harder for a team like TCU, and I would put Ole Miss, Mississippi State, in, in our home state into that category as well to make it to where they made it last night. So, 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 take me a little deeper on that. Easier to get into the playoff, but if the cream rises to the top, harder to advance. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the ironic part about the expanded playoff that everybody's excited about is that it's going to grant access to more teams. Okay. You know, obviously, twelve is more than four. But if you have to think about the path that it'll take to win a national championship in the twelve team as opposed to the one now, I mean, let's just break down TCUs and let's be frank about it. Uh, you know, TCU uh, played in a conference this year where the two powers of that conference were down in Texas and Oklahoma, right? Um, they lost their conference championship game, and they didn't play a team built like Georgia in the semifinal. Like, 
it's the easiest path to the national championship game in history. And if you go look at the other one-offs that have made the playoff, uh, you know, in the playoff era, going back to 2014, who are the teams? We've got Michigan State, Washington, and Cincinnati. All three of those teams played Alabama in the first round and got their doors blown off. Yeah. So, like, they were fortunate to play Michigan. Now, it's really, really hard to talk like this and not feel like I'm diminishing TCU and what they accomplished. And I, they, they accomplished quite a bit in a season that they'll always remember and be proud of. I'm not trying to be condescending or to, or make it, to belittle their, their achievement. But when you really look at the 12-team route, you know, TCU is going to run into a team like Alabama in the second round. You know, a team that they were fortunate enough to not even have to play this year. Um, and the teams that are the, the, the 10 through 12 or, you know, 9 through 12 who have first-round games might have a chance to win the first first round or maybe even two. But then when you start getting into the semis or the, or the games that lead into the semis, you're going to have ultra-talented teams like Clemson and, and Ohio State where they don't make it and Alabama, they're fishing around in the 5, 6, 7 range, and they're going to get killed. So, like... Is TCU equipped to win a conference championship game in four or five playoff games? They're not. They're not physically capable of it. So the fact but, that they were able to get this far was just based on path of resistance more so than, you know, slaying dragons on the way. But, but isn't that okay also if we're thinking about the overall health of college football? Like more teams getting in includes more parts of the country. And kind of going back to what I was saying a second ago, Mississippi State – 2014, they host a playoff game. They're not top four, but they get to host a game in Starkville. Ole Miss last year would have hosted a game in Oxford, and I can't help but think that would be one of the coolest things that we've seen in college football with these on-campus games. And if they don't win a national championship, so be it. But is it being part of the party as opposed to just being relegated to the ReliaQuest Bowl or the Texas Bowl a, a better a better overall option? Yeah, I mean, I think that 90% of the people, I mean, maybe not 90, but most people agree with that. You know, I'm not, okay. I'm not trying to say that it's good or bad. I'm just trying to say that winning a national championship in the context of this conversation is going to be infinitely more hard uh, for a team like Mississippi State or Ole Miss. And honestly, I, I think that, you know, the way that Lane Kiffin has worked the portal and the way that Mississippi State's put together some really athletic teams, like I don't think it's completely out of the question that they could ever, you know, put together a team that matches what TCU did. And now it might be harder to get to that point in the 14 field because you're playing the SEC schedule or TCU didn't have to do that. Right. Um, but yeah, what we're doing is, is we're, we're putting our hands in the air and we're saying because certain teams can't reach a level of success, um, because certain teams can't reach a level of success, uh, we're going to change the, um, definition of success to kind of adhere to those people so they can feel good about themselves. And, you know, frankly speaking, that's just not what this country is really about. So, uh, <laughs> you know, again, it's going to feel good. Or is teams it? are going to get to, to, to participate, but it's not necessarily, uh, you know, the actual spirit of what makes the sport so great, which is perfection in the regular season. Hey, last thing. Do you think David Pollock went to sleep last night wondering if he was going to wake up? After what he said with Nick Saban sitting right next to him, well, I do, I do think that it's possible that in a year from now, if Alabama is winning in the national championship, that many oral histories will be written about that moment and the look on Nick Saban's <laughs> face, and uh, you know. But hey, you know, he didn't say anything that was wrong. You know, no, he, he was, was right. Truthful. So he absolutely right, was. Then, I mean, as long as you know, I've learned this in my career. If 
as long as you're factually accurate, people are going to love you and people are going to hate you, but nobody can get mad at you for lying. That's a good point. All right, uh, an insightful conversation. Thanks for your time. Let's uh, let's catch up again soon. All right, no problem. Thank you. Larry Wasserman from The Athletic. He was at the College Football National Championship game. Uh, some things to chew on there. Uh, some strong opinions. There might be an accusation of that's an elitist opinion of what college football should look like. And that's okay, because there are people that feel that way. And there are others that feel like college football being more inclusive is not just handing out participation trophies. It's about helping the overall health of the game. Different ways of looking at the same issue. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Best. Best. Sports Talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Final coaches poll is out. Georgia, obviously number one. TCU ranked number two. Stop. The Michigan three. Michigan three. Ohio State four. Alabama five. Tennessee six. Penn State. Washington eight. All I know is you didn't want to play that Washington team at the end of the year. Tulane nine. Florida State, 10. Utah, Clemson, Southern Cal, Kansas State, LSU at 15. Oregon, 16. Oregon State, Notre Dame, 18. Mississippi State, 19. Troy at 20. Then UCLA, Pittsburgh, South Carolina, finished 8-5. and Fresno State and Texas. (laughs) We haven't talked about Sark losing his mind on a game day worker before they got smoked by Washington. They didn't really get smoked, but... Did you see that video? Yeah. Hmm. The guy's between that and job, Gundy, man. it's like... I mean, between that and Gundy, it's just like... Some coaches really do believe they're God. They really believe they can just get away and do whatever the hell they want. You can't. What, what, what about... No, like you may not really want another person, another man to touch you, like pat you on the shoulder, put his hand on your chest. But if he's not really trying to fight you, what is it with the pinup? Don't you put your hand on me? Just stop it. Just stop. Violation of your personal space, questioning of your manhood. Do you know who I am? You know how easy it is to just just push his hand down and say, "Hey, man, nah, don't don't do that." I'm good. That, that's all you got to do, and that puts the message just across. Act like a normal human being. That guy would have been slightly embarrassed, but he would have been okay. Instead, he got cussed at in a violent Dog way. Cussed. I mean, just nasty. And that's in, but see, I was talking to somebody about that. That's how he acts in public. Knowing that cameras are on, millions of people are at home watching. You got 
your 85 young men that you're supposed to be influencing standing right behind you in a stadium of 60,000 people looking in that direction, and that's how you treat somebody. Have you noticed how some guys are like that? I mean, like, don't you put your hand on me. I'm not trying to fight you, dude. I'm just saying, hey, give us just a second. You're the head coach of this team. This is a scripted TV product. We need you to run out on cue. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm not forcefully touching you. I'm not shoving you. I'm not punching you. I'm just, just hand right here. Hey, hey, coach. Hey, guy. It's just like the sign of hey. As soon as he yet, shoved me yet, away. As soon as he shoved me away, I'm doing a flat back. I'm going to sell. I'm going to get up if I'll bladed. I'll be bleeding all over the place. Next thing you know, Texas is going to owe me about five million dollars. Mm. Lost the game, by the way. I don't know if I said that. Texas lost the game, went eight and five. What if the kid had bowed up and just like turned around and just like hauled off and shoved the crap out of Sark? That would have been really funny to watch. He would have earned it. Oh, speaking of coaches, we didn't talk about this with the national championship game. So Kirby Smart's pregame speech got leaked. And I laughed. We're going to play that in its entirety right now. Oh, yeah. We would all lose our jobs. Um, I didn't really see anybody get outraged about the language. I saw people say, if you're outraged about the this, you're a wuss. It's like you're talking to nobody. Yeah, nobody check cares. my mentions, boss. Really? People didn't like that? Well, whatever. Football oh, coaches cuss. Oh, I got cuss. Some, some, old, some old fuddy-duddies. Oh, well, they can get over themselves. Football coaches cuss. It's, it's fine. It was a pump-up speech. My issue is not with the speech. Speech was fine. Whatever. He used bad words to a bunch of kids that are going to go run their heads into other people. It's It's fine. My issue is who's recording that? Keep the yeah. locker room stuff That's always in the, the question. locker room, man. Why are you putting that? Always Why are you sending that to people? Keep what happens and is said in the locker room in the locker room. And so now Kirby's probably going to have to deal with it. One booster whose wife was on Facebook and heard it, and she was so upset, and he's going to have to deal with that today. Are we sure that it was from last night? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that probably could be any Kirby Smart speech. It's probably every game. But come on, kid. Put your phone down for a second. Listen to the pump-up speech. And don't send that out to people. There's nothing sacred anymore. Yeah. I'm telling you. Kirby has figured out how and when to press the right buttons with his football team. 65 to 7. We will begin the 5 o'clock hour with the college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. That is coming up right after this on Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi, to the junction, in the groove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. My friend, five o'clock hour. 
with you on this Tuesday afternoon, the 10th of January. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Just looking on their website, they've got a 30% off end-of-season sale. If you have not tried Genteel Apparel, now is the perfect time. Whether you're looking for long-sleeve button-up shirts, golf shirts, pullovers, whatever it is, they have got you covered with both new items arriving daily and end-of-season stuff. So some fall stuff, some winter stuff, you still got plenty of time to get it. And now you can save 30% by visiting GenteelApparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We're coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com to find out about everything that is happening at Pearl River Resort, from the casinos to the restaurants to the sports book to the golf course, Dancing Rabbit, of course, to live entertainment. Full list of activities on the calendar at PearlRiverResort.com. <clears throat> Let us go right now to the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. But don't you dare stop there. you got to test drive an F-150. 2023 is arriving daily at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Get behind the wheel of one today. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I am Richard Cross. Haydad! In as the world of offensive coordinator turns at Mississippi State, what update do we have on this Tuesday afternoon? Bork, do you have any breaking news music? Dun 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 dun. That's what I'm saying. I know. I know. Borky keeps one. We'll have it. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. Wait. Do you have breaking news? No. There is no breaking news. This special report has been brought to you by Brian Haydad. That's right. Uh, At no point in your rambling, incoherent... (laughs) I haven't said anything yet! you got to let me speak! Uh, We wait. We're waiting. Uh, Arnett on his way back, or or should be back from the convention by now. Uh, I know that my, my, my good buddy Chad Bumpus is back in Starkville as of today. Um, a lot, if, if there is any smoke on any one thing, it's not the offensive coordinator position. It's the, the, the defensive line coach position that is now officially open. And uh, it looks like David Turner is going to make a return to Starkville, which I think is a, is a great move. Veteran guy known as a great recruiter, recruited Fletcher Cox, recruited, re- recruited, recruited Chris Jones, recruited Jeff Simmons. And that was a, Hell of a tough battle between State, Ole Miss, and Alabama. I think going into signing day, nobody was confident of who was Simmons was going to get. It was State that would won out. Um, and especially when you look to next season and you look at what Zach Arnett has talked about in terms of recruiting, recruiting the state of Mississippi, wanting to be the, 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 the team that is the first choice of Mississippi recruits. Top recruit in this state next year is a defensive lineman, Kamarian Franklin from Lake Cormorant. Big kid, four-star kid, five-star kid, depending on where you look. You know, right now, everybody's sort of projecting him out of state to Alabama, to Texas A&M, to LSU. State wants to get in the fight with him. I think David Turner is a uh, is a great coach that can show, like, hey, I, I got signed these other guys, and look look at the money they're making now, and where did they go to school? So that's the only like, if you want to call it news, that's all you've got right now. Offensive coordinator, rumored. 
Uh, I, I hesitate to put rumors out there with the way things are going right now. But mm-hmm. rumored to have talked to Duke offensive coordinator Kevin Johns uh, over the past 24 to 48 hours. You, you, you talked about him, on I think, on Friday's show. Uh, we were You and I are in agreement that that would be an outstanding hire for Mississippi State. Uh, and then you have to fill in the running back and the uh, the tight ends coach uh, position. So still some work to be done. I, I still expect that by end of the week, early, you know, early, early next week, this is all done in Mississippi State as a, as a complete coaching staff. When Johnny Cash saying I've been everywhere, he might have been talking about David Turner. Going back to 1986, Davidson, NC State, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, James Madison, Kentucky, back to NC State, Virginia, Minnesota, Vanderbilt, Alabama, Mississippi State, back to Kentucky, back to Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Texas San Antonio, Florida, and most recently Georgia Tech. He has been some places. If you're curious about Kevin Johns and you don't know a lot about him, Currently, the offensive coordinator at Duke did a really, really good job in his one and only season there. Prior to that, a couple of years at Memphis, um, Calvin, uh, Calvin Harris, who was the, who was the undersized wide receiver at Memphis? Calvin, Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin. Calvin Austin the third, I believe it was. Kind of brought him along in that Memphis offense. Prior to being the offensive coordinator at Memphis, he was offensive coordinator for a year at Texas Tech, Western Michigan, Indiana, Northwestern. He's been at it for a while. And um, had a chance to... I did a couple of Memphis games, not this past season. I did one this past season, but two the year before. And as part of your preparation, you not only visit with the head coach, you talk with the offensive and defensive coordinators. And came away really impressed with him, just kind of in one-on-one. And, man, he's done some really good things uh, as an offensive coordinator. So we'll see. If it turns out to be Kevin Johns, I think that would be a really, really good hire by Zach Arnett if that turns out to be the case. But there are other guys that we thought were going to be the offensive coordinator that, you know. The interesting thing is if it's not Johns, then we're we're pulling off the map here because I – that's there just aren't a lot of names. This search is kind of locked down after all the shenanigans that we enjoyed on uh, on Friday. Uh, outside of Johns, there's just not a name that's popping out right now. I mean, so I mean, I'm Bobo. sure you could. <laughs> I'm sure that you could uh, you could find you know uh, he is available. Great performance last night. Really showed yeah, out. He got a ring. Uh, yeah, he's got two, doesn't he? Wasn't he there last year? I don't know. Uh, he was in Auburn in twenty. But that said, I, I'm. Sh- oh, that's right. That's right. We could play the uh, the the elimination game and you know look at some popular group of five athletic or athletic uh, offensive coordinators who you know have have been successful and are looking for that next step up after Johns. But like I said it, it's it's pretty quiet over here. That wasn't fake news. That was just no news. It was no news. Hey, Michael Borky, how about a stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day? Oh, a great one. This one is right up my alley. Um, Texas A&M made history this year. And not because they signed an elite-level recruiting class, but they did that. Uh, And that 
trophy that was presented to Jimbo Fisher with the national championship on it, just waiting a little space right there to fill in the date. Uh, still going to sit blank, but they did make history this year. So a little spin zone for the Aggies. Jimbo Fisher became the first college football coach in the sport's history to be ranked in the top six and finished unranked three times. <laughs> this season, last season, and his last season at Florida State, I believe, 2017. That's correct. Bold, bold prediction. If Texas A&M is ranked in the preseason top six this coming year, I don't think they will finish unranked. I think this is going to be a slightly better season for Texas A&M. Now, I'm not predicting that Texas A&M is going 11-1 and or that they're going to be in the college football playoff. But if they stay healthy at quarterback, the, the collection of talent there at some point has to matter. You know, we'll see what it, it, it we'll is. See. The Bobby Petrino hire and the alleged turning over of play calling duties to Bobby Petrino is that just what the doctor ordered, or does that create a ticking time bomb? I, I think I, I don't know the answer to that. I I lean towards the latter there. All I know, forgive me for not remembering his name. The, the kid who played quarterback at the end of the year for Texas A&M. They got the start against Ole Miss. Connor Wiegman? Yes. I do think they got the right guy playing quarterback now. He's, he, I think he's pretty good. There is absolutely some talent there. Yeah. Are they going to simplify the Speak, offense a little? Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks, I saw another interesting stat, courtesy of the message board, Six Packs Peak. Mm-hmm. Uh since 2015, at least one of the starting quarterbacks in every national championship game has been from the state of Georgia. Since since what year? 2015. Go back to Deshaun Watson in 2015. Okay. Yeah, what, what Deshaun and then uh, Fromm and then Trevor Lawrence and then uh, Justin Fields. And now sets a minute these last two years. Mm. Pretty good high school football in the uh, Peach State. Yeah. Allegedly. Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Games tonight involving SEC basketball teams. Uh, all four of them have over-under totals in the 130s. There are two close lines and two outlandishly big lines. South Carolina is at Kentucky. That's on ESPN2. It's 6 o'clock. Kentucky is a 20-point home favorite over South Carolina, who is 0-2 in the SEC. Is Kentucky good enough to beat anybody by 20 right now? Doesn't feel like it. 
Washington at the same time. Is South Carolina good enough to stay within 20 against a decent team? I don't know. That job coming open is going to be so fascinating. The Kentucky job? Yeah. You think you think Cal's going to Texas? I, I mean, nothing other than a hunch. I mean, I've seen people link him to that job. It does make sense, right? We talk about shelf life all the time. Sometimes you just need to change. It's not going particularly well. It's been a long time since they've won an NCAA tournament game, if you think about it. Uh, A fresh start and a reset for him might not be the worst career decision. Kentucky fans want him gone at this point, which is absurd to me, but they do. Why is it absurd to you? Despite the not winning tournament games lately, is there anybody better in college basketball at talent acquisition than that guy? If I'm Kentucky and he leaves, Jay Wright's going to have to tell me no about nine times. That's a good choice. And each time he tells me no, I add a million dollars to the offer. I said you had a quarter million. We're going. We're going big. Nope. Nope. If if I offer him a deal at six million to start, when I come back, I'm, I'm at seven, and then I well, I might I not go you. that high. That might be a little bit aggressive. Yeah. But Jay Wright, if I am Mitch Barnhart, is going to have to block me and sue me for harassment and have a restraining order filed against me before I stop trying to convince him to be my next head basketball coach. And is the 10th call to Nate Oates? Ooh. That's a pretty good name. I really do think, I mean, if Porky's right and, and Calipari leaves, I think there's going to be a bidding war between Kentucky and Louisville for Nate Oates. They're both going to go after him. I think Kenny Payne's going to get the, the heave-ho in a couple of months. They they can't live like this in Louisville. That's just not acceptable. Yeah. So And that is a I, yeah, I think Nate Oates is passionate basketball fan base. Yeah, they're not gonna take the I mean they're 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 not just bad. They're just they're 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 one of the worst power five teams in college basketball. They're one of the worst teams in college basketball, period. Which means Kenny Payne would be on John Calipari's staff at Texas, right? Absolutely would it's, it's, time is a flat circle. So don't worry <laughs> about that. Uh, Florida yeah, is that, at LSU. LSU uh-huh. has been pre- they're one and two in the league. They've looked pretty good, and yet Florida, who is eight and seven overall and also one and two in the league on the road, is a two and a half point favorite tonight in Baton Rouge. Okay. All right. Vandy is at Tennessee. Tennessee's playing some good. Basketball right now. They're off to a 3 0 start in league play. They are a 17 and a half point favorite at home against in state kind of rival, rival Vanderbilt. And finally, that one's at 8 o'clock on the SEC network. And at 8 o'clock tonight on ESPNU, from the Sandy and John Black Pavilion on the campus of the University of Mississippi. 8 and 7 Ole Miss looking for its first SEC win is hosting number 21 Auburn who is 12 and 3 overall 
and two and one in the SEC. Have you guys already looked and seen what the line is on this game? Very small, and people keep asking me why. I think the I think it's two simple answers. Uh, it's hard to win on the road. Well, Auburn lost to Georgia last time they went on the road, and despite everything else being pretty ugly at best for Ole Miss basketball. Kermit Davis does really well against Bruce Pearl. I can't explain. It doesn't make sense. You can't wrap your mind around it, but for some reason he's got Bruce's number. He just does. Auburn is a favorite, but they are only a one-and-a-half point favorite in this game. That's that's crazy. I would feel really comfortable betting on, on Auburn. Now, I could end up being wrong. Of course, that means Ole Miss wins because... No, you know they're not going to lose by a half point, but goodness, I mean, I just got to win by three. You know, it's one and a half. I mean, a basket. Yeah, yeah. Bucket, you win by yeah. two and you cover. If you want to yeah. buy that half point down, where a win, it, it, uh, any win is a push, and a win by more than a point. And just saying, um, but as we regularly say. Odds makers tend to be pretty good at their jobs. And by the way, the odds making game is different than it used to be. There's not a smoky backfield room where you got a bunch of wise guys sitting around with cigars with, you know, two and a half long ashes hanging, waiting to fall onto their shiny suits, setting the number for the games. They are algorithm driven, power ranking driven. Also helps that Ole Miss gets to play with six on defense when they're on a certain end of the court too. So, do you watch? Wait, did you see that on Saturday? I have never ever seen a coach as far out on the court as Kermit Davis was on Saturday. There were a couple times he nearly tripped a player. He was basically living between the sideline and the three point line. Oh, okay. Uh no, I didn't. I did not notice that. But okay. Try to provide a little interesting anecdote. Just gets me no soul. Go ahead. Ole Miss is at number seventy-seven in Ken Palm's sure if power it was rankings. Golf, he would have been happy. Where is Auburn in the power rankings? From Ken Palm, I. That's a lot of small print. Nineteen. Auburn is nineteen in the Ken Palm power rankings. What are we laughing about? <laughs> You <laughs> you didn't hear what I said about the golf. I just ignored you. Yeah, you didn't. You no sold it again. Is what you did. Yeah, I'm giving I'm you sorry. gold you, on a platter here. Are you talking? Yeah, exactly. Charlie's like you know. You gotta. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. But I mean, if Ole Miss wants, it's like we're gonna have this conversation every game. If they want at all to get people at all to even think about considering buying back in, you can't start 0-4 in league play. So. Yeah, it's a, I mean, as much of a must-win as you can have. On January 10th. but In your fourth conference game. But everybody knows the deal here. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I I was talking to somebody about this earlier. They are like, you know, are you guys going to break down the basketball game? And I said, honestly, I don't think the audience wants a breakdown of the basketball game. I think they want the next 34 days to hurry up. Yeah. 
It's different um, for Southern Miss fans. It's different for State fans. But when when you're when you're talking about this, that's kind of where it sits now, which puts Keith Carter in that very uncomfortable spot that his job commands from time to time. I mean, you want you want to break down to to some degree of the basketball game. Here it is. Matthew Morell has got to be big for Ole Miss. He is Ole Miss's best player. He can't go 7 of 17 from the field. Ole Miss needs 20, 17 from Morell. Deshaun Ruffin has got to miraculously become healthy and some percentage of the player that he was a year ago prior to the injury. That's a lot to ask. Jamin Brakefield has to continue to play at the level at which he has been playing. Oh, the one bright spot on this team is him. He's been really good. Aaron Brakefield's been really good so far. But when you look at kind of the rest of the group, I mean, Amari Abram, what's he going to give you? Miles Burns, TJ Caldwell, you know, nothing from Josh Imbala. Nothing from Robert Allen. Ty Fagan has been shooting it poorly. And, and that's not an indictment on any of those guys individually. It's just, I mean, Matthew Morrell is averaging 15 points a game for the season. you got to have more than that from him. Against Mississippi State, he had 19 points. Okay, got to have got to have that from him again. But you got to have more from others. If Ole Miss is going to pull one off at home tonight against Auburn, to try and protect that home floor, got to try and get a team that is not nearly as good on the road as they are at home. Talking about Auburn, and then we'll see how it plays out. Sports Talk Mississippi, half an hour left with you after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sixty-five to seven was the final score last night. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Time for us to go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and. Go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Just on the ground in the ATL, back from Southern California, Dan Matthews joins us. He is uh, the executive producer of the Chuck Oliver Show. You hear him in the afternoon on 680 The Fan every day as well. Dan, appreciate a few minutes of your time. I'm going to ask you something that you're not expecting right out of the gate, but I failed to mention it all day long. Was the national anthem as good in person last night from Pentatonix as it was on television? Because it was spectacular on television. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was a hell of a rendition of it. And, you know, I mean, I know who the Pentatonix are. I mean, you know, obviously from, uh, what was it, uh, the, the movie uh, that they all uh, acapella to. So I know that that's kind of when they became pretty popular. But, uh, no, it was awesome. And then it led into, you know, just a really – just, you know, juice-filled atmosphere there at the beginning of the game. I mean, uh, both crowds really brought it. And then, uh, obviously, soon enough, uh, Georgia started to bring the uh, the noise a little bit more than uh, TCU did. But, uh, no, the, the national anthem was pretty awesome. 
So, Dan, we talked about it yesterday, and the fact is a lot of times in these championship game settings you have a corporate crowd. Chris Fowler said on the broadcast last night it was not at all corporate. You were in the building. What if it was it was it pretty closely split? We know Georgia fans travel well. Maybe a once-in-a-lifetime thing for TCU. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty split. I mean, maybe it was a little bit more Georgia, like maybe 60-40. Um, but, I mean, TCU had a lot of – had really a lot of uh, fans there. Uh, I mean, I would say their end zone and then their sideline over till about the 25 uh, was all TCU fans. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you saw purple all on that side. Uh, how long they stayed was a different story. But, um, you know, that was, I thought, the interesting thing afterwards that, uh, you know, Kirby Smart, you know, being the man who is never going to be complacent or at least uh, doesn't want you to believe that he's going to be complacent, um, he's challenging the fans afterwards, saying, hey, we need to do this every single time because we don't know how many of these we're going to get, um, you know. And, and uh, you know, I just I thought that was a pretty interesting line after the game. But, uh, you know, of course he was gapping up the fans and saying, you know, just what a great job they did and everything of the such. But, um, but no, I mean, it, it, was, it was a good crowd. I mean, I saw what the TV numbers were. They weren't great, but that was kind of to be expected uh, with uh, Ohio State not being a part of this. All right, so big-picture conversation, legacy Stetson Bennett. It has finally come to an end. Back-to-back national championships after going 41 years without one. Georgia gets them in consecutive years. Brian Haydad asked me the question earlier. He's like, is he the greatest Bulldog of all time? And I immediately said, no, Herschel Walker is. Where does Stetson Bennett rank? What is his legacy with Georgia football? I think when it comes to quarterbacks, and he was asked that last night, I mean, he was the first to point out and say, well, look, I mean, we've had Matthew Stafford here. We've had DJ Shockley. We've had Aaron Murray. You know, we've had a lot of really good quarterbacks come through here. Uh, but I think in terms of the overall, like, team goals accomplished, then, yeah, he's one of the best. Um, in terms of the overall, you know, just individual performances, probably not. Uh, but, I mean, you know, what a way to go out, though. I mean, he saved his best for last. I mean, I think, what was it, like a 226 uh, QB rating last night in that game? 304 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, so, uh, sorry, uh, Eric Ainge, uh, you didn't really get your wish for that one. I guess uh, the Punk had a hell of a performance in his final game. Yeah, he was he was pretty flawless, and you you didn't even mention the two rushing touchdowns. We, we had a reasonably heated conversation earlier about uh, about Stetson Bennett's future. What, what do you believe his future is? What should it be? I think that he can play in the NFL. I mean. The thing is, too, is I want people to go to Georgia's Twitter account, and there is a video of him dapping up Matthew Stafford, and Stafford's, what, 6'2", 6'3"? He's not all that much shorter than Matthew Stafford. Like, you know, he's probably all of about 5'10", 5'11". Well, so is another guy that Kenny McIntosh compared him to, Drew Brees. And then the other thing as well is, you know, somebody on Twitter got into this with me on my way back from L.A. today about, well, he's 25 years old. Like, Stop using that parroting point. Like, he's not going to join the AARP at 26. Like, he can still play in the NFL for about 10 years, maybe even more. I mean, quarterbacks play a lot longer now. So, no, he's going to go to the Senior Bowl with Jim Nagy and the crew down there in Mobile. He's going to do incredibly well. Teams are going to love him. Do I think he's a day one? No. Do I even think he's a day two? Probably not. But I could probably see him being kind of like where Dak Prescott went in, in that uh, early fourth round as somebody that you, you take and, and you say, hey, you know what, he's got smarts, he's got guts. Uh, he's somebody that it, once he learns the offense isn't going to completely wreck it uh, for us. He will be able to lead 10 other guys down the field. 
So I do think that there's an NFL career. I mean, the comparison I've seen is Case Keenum. Um, I could very easily see Stephen Bennett having a career kind of like Case Keenum. Absolutely. Hmm. That's a, that's an interesting comparison. I hadn't really thought about that when you're talking about the all-time passing leader in college football history. Case Keenum, bigger though, right? But wasn't he bigger? Uh, he was about the same size. Yeah, six foot. Eleven, six foot. Yeah. I mean, you know, because uh, uh, my folks are uh, season ticket holders to U of H games, so. I uh, used to go uh, see him when uh, he was playing for Kevin Sumlin. So, yeah, he's about that same size. Yeah, interesting. Uh, that is an interesting comparison, not one that I had thought of. And uh, a guy that has, what, been in the league since 2012. bunch of different teams, but has been able to hang around uh, far more than a, a cup of coffee. Visiting with Dan Matthews from 680, the fan in Atlanta. Uh, just getting back from Los Angeles, Georgia winning the national championship last night. Was the biggest difference, because I know we can talk about Setson Bennett, and we can talk about Lad McConkie, and we can talk about Brock Bowers. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about Keely Ringo, we can do that. But was the biggest difference the line of scrimmage when you look at Georgia's defensive line against TCU's offensive line and vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was both sides. I mean, that, that showed you uh, from just pretty much how overwhelmed they were. I think the tone was set for Georgia that it was the tipping point in the game was TCU going down and scoring after that miss-up between uh, Ringo uh, and I can't remember who the other defensive back was, but they had that cross-up on on the rub route, and you get the long completion, and then, of course, Duggan runs it in for the touchdown. I think had Georgia had to punt right there, then maybe TCU starts to think, all right, we can do this. But not only did Georgia respond, they went down the field in four plays and their, their, their shortest plays were three 11-yard gains uh, because then you got the 37-yard or 30-plus-yard uh, touchdown strike to, uh, to Ladd McConkie. And I think once that happened, they were just kind of like, all right, we can control the front, we can control the line of scrimmage, and then they were able to get the run game going. And, I mean, you know, even for the passing game, I mean, I, I don't know how many times we heard Quentin Johnson's name last night. I don't think it was very much. And if it no, was, no. it was quick little slip, slip screens because I don't think that Duggan really felt like he had enough time or ability to be able to get the ball down the field. And then, of course, you know, you saw a couple of times when he took some shots, he had the interception board. He had the interception before the half, which wasn't really a shot <laughs> down the field. Uh, but, I mean, still, you know, it was um, just where he did not feel comfortable and, trying to implement that part of their offense. And I think, you know, when you had that and you were losing the line of scrimmage, it was kind of like at that point, if you're TCU, you're just like, all right, like, boy, what, what answers do we have? Like, let's, let's talk about what's working here. Um, you know, not, not, not to go Robert Lozier on us here. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll clean up the language on that one. But, yeah, not a darn thing was working. So, Dan, Kirby has built this – to the point where it is a well-oiled machine. They're recruiting at a level that only three or four other programs in the country are, are consistently recruiting at. There's the fan base, the, the the buy-in in terms of NIL and the resources needed to do whatever they need to do to continue to build. And yet, I don't know if I look at Kirby Smart. I, no, I do know. I, I don't look at Kirby Smart and think that he's going to want to grind as long as Nick Saban has been a grinder in college football. You, you live there in the state of Georgia. What, what, what's your thought on this? Does Kirby do this for a long time, or does he maybe win one more or maybe two more in the next four or five years and say, I'm good, uh, and, and just kind of ease off into the sunset? 
Well, I think probably what keeps him around is, I mean, his kids are still pretty young. I think his two oldest are just uh, now in high school. I think uh, they're going into their second semester of freshman year. And then his youngest, of course, who we talked about last night, crying that Stetson Bennett will no longer be a part of the team. He's 10 years old. So I think probably as long as, you know, they're, you know, not to college yet or, you know, grown up, that I would suspect that he probably continues to do this. I mean, he is somebody also as well that usually, you know, I've heard people bring that up, and, and I understand it. I mean, you know, it seems like, for example, Sean McVay in the NFL is going to step away um, because that grind uh, is something that uh, he's not necessarily looking forward to continuing, at least in the immediate time. Uh, but for Kirby, I think he craves it, and I don't, I, and I don't think he's the only one. You see after games, um, you know, I don't know how much the TV cameras caught this last night, but Mary Beth's wife is on the field. Um, hugging players and, and, and being there supportive for players, you know, is almost kind of like another, you know, team mom, if you will. And then his kids are involved in the program as well. So I think that it's as much as Kirby loves and enjoys doing this. I think it's also, too, I think his family is supportive uh, of, of him doing this. And, and, you know, how he coaches, how he recruits, I mean, how he just continuously develops this program. I mean, I, you know, you, you know, I, I'm not disagreeing with you wholeheartedly, yeah. Richard, because nothing surprises anybody. I mean, you know, look, I mean, if he ever has uh, a health issue, I mean, I know his, his dad, uh, who was a high school coach, uh, legendary one here in the state, uh, uh, Paul Smart, uh, was not able to make it out to, to Los Angeles because of health issues. And, you know, of course, we saw what happened with Bob Soups, where he said, you know, look, I'm not going to let uh, health, you know, deteriorate for me with this job because it does. Um and, and, you know, that's something, too. Oh, let's go, let's go. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon, the uh, 10th of January. Ceasefire text line is the best way for you to be in touch with us. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Pentatonics, National Anthem. Please tell me you guys saw it. I missed it. I was busy. Oh. I would encourage you to go back and watch it. I think it would give you chill bumps a day later. So good. I'll watch, but it's hard to top what happened in Jacksonville over the weekend. Did you see that that guy? No. Oh, man. It's a guy you've never heard of. I haven't heard of him either. But some local guitarist in Jacksonville played the national anthem on his American flag electric guitar. And, buddy, if Jacksonville was a person, he was Jacksonville. He was balding up front, but he had long black hair going over his shoulders. He had sunglasses on. He was way too tan for it to be January. And he had looked like he had been through some stuff. I mean, he was Jacksonville, Florida, ripping guitar with a jersey on, an American flag on that guitar. He played it well, too. It was, like, really good. I've never heard of the guy, though. But nobody matches City more with person than that guy. 
There is, in my opinion, I guess since I'm saying it, it's evident that it's my opinion, uh, there is an argument to be made that that was a top five big event national anthem of all time. It's big. Whitney Houston is number one and will never be topped. Rest your soul. Whitney Houston, Super Bowl, 1992, Gulf War happening, or 1991? January of 91. January of 91, Big Sombrero in Tampa, Gulf War original happening. Say what? That might not be right. That might not be right. I don't know. What, of where it was played? Or the date? No, of, of the year. I'm not entirely sure. I'm pretty sure it was 91. It was Super Bowl twenty five. Uh anyway, it was amazing. I I from time to time go back and watch that. And I, like every single time it's like that was the most unbelievable thing ever. Especially with what everything that was happening in the world and anyway. National anthem was really good. What will be your takeaway from last night? Like when when you think back seven years from right now, Georgia TCU national championship, or you're just gonna go So, I think we should talk about this extensively tomorrow. I'm not doing the Saban era is over or anything. He's going to continue to win a lot of football games and stuff like that. I do, however, believe that the top of college football consists now of one program. When you win the last two national championships in the dominating fashion in which Georgia did, when you're bringing in another elite-level recruit, I mean, they are, they are a machine. They're machine-like. I think that right now the top of college football consists of one, and then there's a small drop, and then there's Alabama, and then you have to drop again before you get to anybody else. I would agree that Georgia is a clear number one. I, not like in terms of the final poll. I'm talking about in terms of program and, and where it is. Georgia is the clear number one right now. But I would say that there's a group of like five that are within striking distance. If you've looked at Georgia's schedule next year, and in fairness to Georgia, they were supposed to play Oklahoma next season, but that got kiboshed because of... Oklahoma and Texas are coming to the SEC and not being able to play the return game and all those things. Georgia's going to be a prohibitive game, a favorite in every game they play. The Tennessee game in Knoxville, maybe the second most difficult game on Georgia's schedule is when Ole Miss goes to Athens in November. Georgia's going to be back in the playoff next year. And they're going to have a chance to do it three times in a row. And if two is hard, three is nearly impossible. You got to go back to what the '30s when Minnesota won back to back to back. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for Nick Saban with his dominant Alabama teams. It's so hard to win it all. George is going to be the odds-on favorite to win it all next year. Maybe that's the death knell, right? Maybe when they're the odds-on favorite, I'm, it's not a, I'm, a good. No, I'm predicting them to go seven and five. <laughs> just just so somebody can. 
Put me on the record so somebody's hey, not telling lies. Y- you know how sometimes you admit to changing your opinion when presented with new information? Yeah. You still sure that somebody besides George is going to be voted number one in the East when we get to media days? No. No. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I stick with the LSU prediction, though. Thanks for being with us. you got Ole Miss basketball coming up 8 o'clock tonight on the SEC Network from the Pavilion. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.